Hello again and welcome to another edition of the New Dominion Podcast. I am your co-host, Sean Kenny, with the Republican Standard, sitting opposite from me, Marty Davis with the Fredericksburg Advance. Marty, how are you doing? We're doing all right, man. How about Good. yourself? I'm not riding into the sunset. Uh, inside <laughs> joke. Everybody's going to laugh a little bit, but that's all right. No, it's, uh, no I'm doing great. Um, yeah, it has absolutely nothing to do with current events. It just has to do with uh, yeah, present conversation. By the way, Geico, uh, you're absolutely terrible for firing 10% of all of our friends. Um, we know about it, and we're probably going to talk about it later. But in the interim, right we do have elections coming up marty we absolutely have big elections coming up and i know people get tired of hearing it that every election is the most important election I and mean, we seem to say it every year um i will not go so far as to say this is the most important election of your lifetime but it is an election that could potentially shift the balance of powers in a number of places in some significant ways that are going to have an impact for a few years so that makes it worth watching that makes it worth paying attention to and if you're listening Get out and vote, regardless of which side of the aisle you're sitting on. Make your voice heard. Uh, there's just no excuse for not voting. Yeah, and if you're not listening, don't vote because you haven't listened to us. Absolutely. That's pretty much it. So, wider question. So, we're looking at Richmond. All right, Marty, predictions. How, how many seats are going to go to the Republicans in the Virginia Senate? I don't know. Oh. Um, so listen. Be bold. Pick a number. Be bold. Be I mean, bold. It could be 19, 20, 21, 22. <sighs> I hate predictions. I really do hate predictions. So I will I will throw out a number. Pretend it's the UNC game against UVA. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Go ahead. Just shut up. <laughs> um, yes, I'm a Carolina grad. And we got shellacked by you get really a bunch shellacked. of wahoos, all yeah. I can say. Yeah, it's not like we really deserved it either, which makes it even more painful, doesn't it? Shut up. So, it's speaking of things that are not deserved, like, so how many <laughs> seats are Republicans going to win by? And, so, <laughs> more seriously, like, so there, so there the, are actually like so three answer, seats. So, the answer is, in my opinion, and that is all it is, and don't hold me to this, I will not be surprised if the control of the Senate flips. Really? I will not be surprised. Okay. So there are, there are really three seats that everybody's going to focus on, right? You've got the Segura seat up in uh, Senate 31. You've got um, the Donovan seat down in Western Henrico, right? And then all of a sudden, today at least, or at least the, the last week before airing, they had a half million dollars get dumped into the Wolf-Rome seat up in Prince William County, where the Republicans, at least on the House, have outperformed early voting. And so they think that they have a chance, which kind of indicates that, that maybe you know Tuesday's not going to be so so bad for the Republicans and might actually confirm suspicions on 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 the left um, should the Republicans run all three that would be a 2218 Senate um, most people are not predicting that most people are kind of like in the 2020 territory which would then give Winsome Sears still at Republicans least win. still Republicans win because Winsome Sears breaks all votes um, but if two of those seats win then all of a sudden um, it's in firmly 2119 and the Republicans have control of the upper chamber um, my bet's still going to be 2119 um, I, I'm, I'd like to think that Donovan comes across the line that's going to be a real tough race but I think Juan Pablo Segura ends up winning in Senate District 31 in Loudoun County because um, he's just running a really good campaign up there right and so. we'll see. I mean, again, I hate predicting these things because there are so many variables that come into play. And I think the early voting thing is going to be really intriguing to watch because, look, Democrats pushed early voting hard in 22, uh, and it paid off for them. They have been absolutely quiet about early voting this year. 
Governor Yunkin, would you please quit hanging things on my door telling me to go vote early? He I wants get your it. vote. Okay. He wants your vote, Yeah, he, he, well, he ain't getting Doesn't it. he deserve your vote? No, he Shouldn't does he not. Shouldn't he deserve your consideration? No, he does not. Aren't you open-minded? I am open-minded. To I'm Glenn open-minded Yunkin. up. I've, I've spent three years Could writing about this guy. you open your heart to Glenn Yunkin, please? <laughs> I've spent too many years you writing should, about this how guy. How come you he haven't had let a Glenn Yunkin into your life? Right? Have, you, have you read the, the book of, uh, I, I don't I'm, know, Adam Smith? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I need to repent. I read The Wealth of right? Every Sunday, there's an opportunity to get right with Glenn Youngkin. Shine the light on me. Shine the light on me. Let's all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And they sing they the hold out like whole PowerPoint government. presentations at a very comfortable church where you can actually hold a latte in your hand as you listen to the word of Glenn. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not there on Sunday mornings either. Um, no, it's, it's, it, it's, it's the invisible hand works for you as well. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. This is going to be a long night. Yes, it is. <laughs> So, so after we've confirmed, but, the, the, but listen, listen, it will not surprise me if the chamber on the upper side flips. However, here is my wild prediction: wild, the Democrats win the General Assembly. You think both sides? You, you think they win oh, the House sorry. of Delegates? They, I mean, the Democrats win the House of Delegates. Okay, so so why do we say that? I say that because is you haven't with, read enough of the Book of Glenn. I, <laughs> <laughs> I've read enough of the book of Glenn. Thank you very much. I've written the book about Glenn. So you can go re- go back and read those. Why don't you believe what you've already written? I don't understand. <laughs> Let Glenn Le- Youngkin into your heart, Marty. Corey, believe. you want to help me out here, brother? <laughs> believe. Megan, you want to help me out here? <laughs> Megan and Corey are with us. I'm not so sure that they believe in the book of Glenn Youngkin either, but uh, that's all right. I, I've got you outnumbered, all of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could say something, but I'm, I'm not. No, you could. Uh, no, I'm not. Is that, um, com- is that common core math, Marty, or what? <laughs> We're on a roll tonight. I'm, aren't we, I'm on Sean? fire. We're uh, on a roll tonight. And by the way, I the hate power, and I hate Common Core math. This is the so. power of Guinness. This so, is what you get. So, um, so, so the thing is, is though, so it's either going to be like 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 fifty three forty seven to the left or fifty three forty seven to the right. Um, and the reason why is because there are about six seats that are so. I mean, they're absolutely right. narrow. They're right on the cusp. They're like right. huge Biden twenty twenty seats, but also huge Glenn Youngkin twenty twenty one seats. So nobody. I mean, so in twenty twenty two, of course, it was still kind of a. A Biden year, precisely because of Dobbs, right? right. So the Dobbs ruling and everybody reacted. Right. But now that number seems to have kind of calmed back down. So the question is, is where are we really? Biden's numbers are at forty percent. He's actually gotten a bit of a lift since the uh, yep. uh, Israeli Gaza event. Yep. So uh, conflict, um, not an event. Sorry, but like the, the 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 fact of the matter is, is like. Is that enough? Either was it Ben? Sh- not Ben Shapiro. Uh, Jeff Shapiro. I apologize. With the Richmond Times Dispatch, I talked about this this morning in his op-ed. So I mean, is is you know is the Republicans seem to be really focusing on Israel? Is that going to shave like one or two points off of the Democratic base? And is going to add one or two points to the Republican base? I, I don't be, think so. I'm going to be totally honest with you, Sean. I just don't. I, I think these are the kinds of things that pundits focus in on because you got to write a column. I just don't think most of the voters think about it that way and i'll tell you why right so i've talked to the majority of people running in our area and you talk to them about what they're hearing on the doors all right in spots of banging you know what they're hearing they're hearing school board but elsewhere what they're saying is they're sick and tired of campaigning. They are sick and tired of mellows. They're sick and tired of people knocking on their doors. And I've heard far too many candidates tell me, point blank, when they ask them, okay, I get it, you know, but can you get my vote? I've already voted. Who'd you vote for? I don't even know. I just don't think people think that 
deeply about it. Uh, I, I think a lot of the stuff about that, I, mean, I, I have said for over a year now, I think Glenn Youngkin's positivity rankings are just way overblown. I don't believe them, for one thing. And I think the same thing about Biden. I mean, is he, is he underwater? He's been underwater for a while. Do I think at the end of the day it really matters that much when people are voting in local elections? No, because I just don't think people are that focused on it. And so I, I really, I, I just don't, I don't see that playing much of a role. I actually will bow to you, though, and I will say that I think what you're saying may be right. If you really want to take the pulse of how things are going, look at the yard signs, right? Yeah. We had this discussion earlier tonight. I think Twig is fried. You think Twig is going to win. Why? Because I drive up and down Route 208 all the time, and I see Kirk Twig signs in yards yeah, it, it, all up and down that road. It's a, And I don't see, I mean, I don't even know whose opposition really is. You had to tell me. Megan Jackson. Megan Jackson. And then there's our, and then there's a guy named Carlson uh, who no is clue. basically not the even first time I see a Megan, so I start at the Lake Anna Bridge and I come all the way through 208. The first time I see a Jackson sign is at Spotsylvania High School. And the places where you typically see Abigail Spanberger signs, you don't see anything at all. So, uh, so it kind of tells me that it, Kirk might survive. Now, he could get blown out like two to one, which is perfectly you know within the realm of possibility. But I, I don't know that that's going to be the case. So, yeah. and, and for the same reason, I worry about Loretta Daniels winning her seat back on the school board because Chris Harris has been plastering her with signs for six months now, right? And she's been basically invisible. Uh, she's starting to come up a little bit. Whether she's coming up enough to overcome that early jump he got, I don't know. But I'll tell you something, another reason I'm beginning to believe more and more that people just don't think about these outside forces. So I wrote a column about Steve Maxwell passing out these ridiculous ballots at early voting in Spotsylvania. And a person who lives in my neighborhood who is intelligent, have a lot of respect for him, we talk politics all the time. He called me that afternoon when, this, when the piece ran and he said, by the way, you changed my vote. And I said, huh? I wasn't even uh, trying to change your vote, right? Um, he said, no, I read the piece on Maxwell, and I had no idea who he was. And I was going to vote for him just because we need a change. Hmm. You know, I, I, I wish that weren't the case. And look, people like you and me, we followed this stuff way too close. Right. Uh, we're way deep in the weeds. I just don't believe voters think that way. And um, so... That's kind of where they, I am. So I, I think they do in terms of like you know the, the generic RD kind of distinction. We have Trump's not popular, Republicans don't do well. Biden's not popular, Democrats don't do well. Um, but on the other hand, like we're talking about yard signs and coverage, right? Yard signs don't vote. That's always no, the line of every consultant. Don't. But they're a damn good indicator of those who do, right. right? And so, like when I look at that, if you're willing to put your sign, there's somebody sign in your yard. Um, that kind of gives encouragement to your friends and neighbors that maybe it's okay to vote for this candidate despite the the air attack and everything else right. that you see out there. Um, which, by the way, I mean, apart from like Kirk Twig's, you know, Kirk Twig Boulevard up 208, um, and other ones, you know who else's signs I also see a lot? Who's that? Michael Bush. I see a Portland lot of Michael District. Bush signs. I see all, that guy is working it. If if he Childress is. isn't, I mean, I and I, I mean, I I know I know Gerald. I know him well. Um, I see a lot more Michael Bush signs out there than Gerald Childress signs, and I just it just that's one of those key indicators. Like you know what, if you're comfortable enough 
to I mean, it's one thing to get the, the literature and kind of bring it in and read it if you're comfortable enough to put the guy's sign in your front yard that's a sign and as we had him on the podcast here i mean he's not a bad guy no he's, he's not. a good guy and his politics might not be mine as a republican but Man, if he's not a good soul, you know, and if he communicates that to people at doors, you're knocking on a stranger's door and say, may I put a sign in your yard and they convince you? Yes. I I don't know, man. (laughs) And let's be honest. When's the last time you heard a politician sit around this table or any table and get asked a question? They say, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. Let me go do a little more digging. I mean, how refreshing is that? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. So here, bigger question. Does the Spotsylvania School Board hold on, or do we see a change? I think it's up in the air, man. Uh, I mean, the way I've come to look at this, I really believe Carol Medawar is going to beat David Ross. I mean, like I kid you not. I was riding around Spotsylvania the other day, and you see very few David Ross signs. Mm -hmm. But if you look, you don't have to look all that close. But what David Ross has done is he's taken his old David Ross for Congress, signs and he's taped school board over top of congress like a true fiscal conservative you know uh, (laughs) no like a cheapskate who doesn't want to run for the seat right i mean the guy never wanted the seat to begin with they couldn't find someone he just threw his hat in and there's a conspiracy theory floating out there i don't know if i'm going to believe it so i'm not going to repeat it but it wouldn't surprise me so the conspiracy theory is that they recruited him just to run for it and then once he gets in he'll step away and they'll have the control and they can appoint somebody else i don't know i have absolutely no idea it sounds kind of hokey to me if you get elected to it you're going to serve right that's my take but regardless the guy's the guy's hardly running carol metawar has for the other conspiracy theory i've heard that he's really a reptilian and then what's going to happen is that he's going to come in there, and then the mothership's going to arrive, and the V are going to come out. And yeah, my that, favorite that, conspiracy. Yeah. That's, that's the one I believe. Yeah, he hangs out with Mark Zuckerberg. Exactly. <laughs> right. But I do think, and he's going to come in there with a set of books. And you know what the books are going to be, Marty? It's the book of Glenn because you haven't read it yet, <laughs> and I won't read it, Sean. It's not going to be on my shelf. But I will tell you, I think Carol Metawar beats. Uh, so look, the, the the and I don't even know what to call them. Right? Let's just call them pro-public school voters okay the pro-public school candidates are going to have to win three of the four races all right i think carol metawar beats david ross i think i'll be surprised if she doesn't um i think megan jackson beats kirk twig uh so there's two i am really worried about larita daniels i just really i do not see larita winning that seat I don't see it. There is strife within the party over her. Um, she has not been very visible. Um, I just, you know, I, look, I have a lot of respect for her. I've said on this show that she, at least in terms of policy, she's one of the smarter people on that board. Uh, but look, being smart isn't enough, especially when you're running for public office. And I think she's in a tough spot. Mm. And then there is, um, there's Bellin's race against uh, Jordan Lynch. Um, now look, personally, it's got nothing to do with politics. I don't think Jordan Lynch has any business near a school board, given his personal history and his past problems. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe this guy is even running. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got no business being anywhere near anything to do with a school. And I think Bellin is should beat him. But I am hearing a lot of chatter that he's done relatively well at the forums. And look, I don't go to a lot of these forums because how many times do I have to hear the same people say the same thing? Um, So I I tend to stay away from them. But he's getting some positive energy. Um, I think Belen is going to beat him, or Belen is going to beat him. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if she doesn't. So 
if Daniels loses and and Berlin loses, then the school the school system holds the course. If Megan Jackson uh, surprises me and underperforms and loses, I mean, look, there's just too many too many moving parts. Too many moving parts. I'm just not convinced. I think what is really going to be interesting is, and look, personally. This board needs to shift. It's a freaking nightmare. Uh, and I've made no bones about that. But if this board holds, what has gone on the last two years cannot continue. We're going to have to figure out some way to make it work. Like, I don't like it. I think it stinks to high heaven. But we cannot have two more years of the absolute chaos and endless stupid lawsuits. Look, I, I mean... I, I have people calling me all the time. We're going to file a lawsuit. Why? Over what? What are you going to sue them for? Right. Being elected? You're not going to win. Right. You're pissing money out the window. Who are we kidding here? Right. Which is what I was writing about, right? That's it's exactly like, it's like, what that's you exactly were writing the thing. about, it's like, Let them fail on their own, right? Succeed, fail, do otherwise, but like let, let them let them go on their own, right? But they'll, quit they'll... filing these stupid lawsuits. Yeah. You're not going to win. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those, like, the, the, if, you're, if the ends are just, then the means should be consistent with the ends, right? And if your means are not entirely on the up and up, then what you're really doing is you're indicting your own cause. So, and, and I think that, the, you know, for, for critics of the Spotsylvania School Board as it stands right now, I mean, they've demonstrated that their means are really conducive to their ends which people genuinely disagree with and deep and I, i've certainly done so um publicly but, i will add it in very strong words you've been all over them <laughs> yeah we, let's we, start we, about we, you and jen peterson's conversation on our facebook page about book banning yeah right? and, and how to spell chaucer a book that she <laughs> claims to have intensively read jen you're a liar and i'll call you as such publicly um uh and not just a liar but illiterate um sorry pick up a book we'll talk about it like adults but do not pretend to have scanned a book and highlighted and put on your shelf and show off for a reporter there's nothing more deplorable than that um but you know moving beyond that i mean look if dave ross actually wins here's a guy who actually knows how to run a meeting he knows how to run a meeting he's very savvy politically and you know to me of all the people who I don't want to see. I think David Ross is probably the most dangerous. And so, well, I mean, dangerous in the sense that, that he, he can actually accomplish all the insidious things they want to accomplish. So regardless as to whether or not you think they're insidious or not. Um, the, the <laughs> but, but here's the catch, right? It's like, whatever it is then, the forced errors that they've committed, I think stop if somebody of David Ross's Absolutely caliber they do. gets on the board. And so, but does that really change the tenor of the debate? I don't think it does. I don't think it does, but look, I, I can tell you from talking to teachers, from being around those schools, look, they're burned out. They're tired. They're sick of people not backing them. Mm-hmm. The school system, look, Mark Taylor, you can lie all you want, and I'll drop that word too. You can lie all you want about how you're in compliance with this, and you're in compliance. You're not. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're just flat not. You have untrained, unqualified people leading classrooms who have absolutely no business leading classrooms. And I'm not talking about people who don't carry a stupid state of Virginia teacher's license. Guess what? I don't have one right now either. What I do have... And you're eminently more qualified than most. I am eminently most. more qualified than an awful lot of teachers who do carry them. And I don't mind saying that. I'm not bragging. And that's not bragging. I mean, you're University of Chicago graduate. so I know what no, I'm talking yeah, about, exactly. right? Um, not that I don't have a lot to learn. I do. But... When it comes to the content, which is the whole hallmark of an educated person, by the way, is that you admit that I have a lot a, to learn. Yeah, right. A, I spend a lot of time talking to my colleagues. My God, how do I deal with this situation? I don't know which end is up. Right. I'm fine with that. 
But for crying out loud, you know, you cannot put people who are paraeducators who don't have college degrees, who don't know what they're doing, sticking them in the classrooms with kids and telling them to teach and to think that's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm a parent and I've got that with my kids are in school, I am raising holy hell. Mm-hmm. I am livid. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I won't be silenced on something like that. Uh, yeah, so, so something has got to give here. So the, the operations of the school board with David Ross, and if, 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 if it comes to pass, right? So it's a 4-3 board. You know, David gets elected and all, you know, Kirk Twig goes back or whatever the case may be. Um, yeah, at least like the, the, the functioning of the board in terms of Robert's better. rules gets dramatically better very quickly. Um, the topics then become charged because think at that rate, the Spotsylvania school board will probably feel as if it's somewhat validated in its course. Yep, it will. Right? It absolutely will. And so if, if there's that validation, you know, on the book banning or the book burning, okay, you know, that's one thing. The, the, the other wider question is when it comes to, to, to the rumored charter school proposal. There you go. That's it. That's the one that becomes around. I don't think, I mean, they're, they're kind of, some people are playing coy with that, but I think everybody knows that's what's coming around the corner with the yep. old John J. Wright building. Yep. And so Which would be that's a massive mistake, but that's, that's my opinion. But, but, but so the question then becomes, is the debate going to be an honorable one or is it going to be where, I mean, like, look, Ben and I, you know, Ben Litchfield and myself go back and forth. It's like people start just whipping out the magic words and right. trying to like play Dungeon and Dragons with this and go magic missile, magic missile. And like, what substance is there in that? Right. Um, but that would I mean, but I guess a 4-3 board would be, I mean, maybe we'll get a serious debate and we'll get a serious conversation as to how to write the ship with education, public, private, charter, you name it. Um, but at least it'll be, my hope at least is that it's on its own terms. Right, rather than two sides trying to hijack one another, if that makes any sense. Right. I mean, one would hope I'm not holding my breath. Uh, tempers are still flaring high. Nerves are raw. People are angry. But we're watching. But we're watching. <laughs> guess what? The Fredericksburg Advance is watching. This stuff is not going to go unreported anymore. Okay. Right. We're going to see to that. But yeah, it's going to be touchy. I, I've thought about And not I, in the Jen Peterson way. No. Okay. Um, not in the Jen Peterson way at all. Thank uh, God. We got it, Sean. Thanks. All right. <laughs> we got it, Sean. It's this, it, it, yeah, not in a Chaucer way either. We we don't we don't want the adult uh, rating on the show. So I'm trying to be I'm trying to be polite here. Okay, um, but you know we'll see where it goes. I've thought about this. I've actually you know I told you, you know we're coming up on election day on Tuesday night, and I've already and I've told you I've already written like four different columns based on some some scenarios. Why do we do that? We do that because. I don't want to be up at five o'clock in the morning trying to turn out a column, then have to get up at six and go to school. Sure. Um, but I've also sort of turned this over in my head and, and I've, I've written a column both if the majority flips and if it stays the same. And on the one where the, it, assuming the majority is to flip, which look, quite honestly, this is what I want to see happen. But if it does flip, my first statement to the new board is, for God's sakes, behave better yeah do better and learn your lesson and you know what the lesson is the lesson is there was a significant group of parents who had a legitimate concern now personally do i agree with that concern no i absolutely do not but it is a public institution and public institutions serve the public not some of the public some they serve all of the public and damn it listen to them yeah hear them out 
Yeah, okay. this is, this is the one thing. Discussion. This if is the you don't one th- like it. Tough cookies. Tough cookies. I'm trying right? to keep the uh, I'm trying to keep the family friendly writing on the night, but I'm getting a little loose lip. Yeah, tough Peterson. But like the the bottom line is like it, it it needs to be with all of us, right? And this is something that we've talked about this. Like the institu- when the institutions kind of rule on the behalf of others and they treat the other half of society as the enemy, you lose. You right? lose. And, and and not just that, you lose the public trust. And you can cash that out to a point, but at some point in time, they start building parallel institutions, and that's when the wheels come off. And if this little experiment we call America and Virginia and all that's to work, you've got to be open to the other opinions. You've got to hear the opposition for what they're really trying to say. I mean, the Jesuits used to teach us this. If you cannot make the opposition's argument, in its best possible light, you do not actually understand your own. No. And that if, if, if the, the left could just understand that about the right, you don't have to agree with them. You do have to hear them out, and you do have to respond to them, not even as equals, but like respond to them as you would you know, somebody who is who's, is literally in a position of some sort of relevance and just say, like, like, like okay, I hear what you're trying to say. Here's how we're remedying that. Or I hear what you're trying to say, and here's here's why you're wrong, but not reflexively you're wrong and then backfill the facts, right? Just this whole thing that we talk about in terms of, like, whether it's education or academia or media or entertainment or any of the – or law enforcement or – um, you know, religion or any of these things, right? These institutions belong to us in common, right? Right. So if you're not pursuing the common good and you're pursuing a highest good and then you're imposing that upon everyone else, I mean, think about it on the left when you're talking about you know, what we talked about during the BLM Antifa riots in, in, in 2020 and right. 2017, right? I mean, there's a commonality there where it's like you, certain individuals are locked out of a certain institution and they wanted to be treated differently. If, if, if you're attuned to that sentiment, then surely you should be attuned to the sentiment in another institution where certain people feel locked out and they're you know, riding in their own way, right? Well, that, uh, well, that's just principle, Sean. What yeah, are you talking about? Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like it's like consistency or something like that, Corey. I mean, like, yeah. but it, it, but it goes back to like the conversation you and I have all the time. It's like, is it about abstractions or is it about people? Right. Right, and if you're not addressing people, if you're not taking care of their concerns as individuals, as somebody worthy of being like loved and respected or whatever, then what are you doing? Right, right, right. and I think that I think it turns into a total mess because at the end of the day, like I understand that the concept of rights and who should have that right and stuff like that, but when you are in a public space, the whole point of these public institutions is supposed to be about optimal impact, and yeah. you can't achieve optimal impact if you are going out of your way to cut out large swaths of the population that you don't want to deal with because they don't agree with you. Exactly. And that is that is intolerable, especially when we're talking about professional adults. I'm making air quotes because yeah. no one can see me. Um, <laughs> Laser but, beams. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like that, that is, that's just absolutely crazy to me. And um, I just don't know how it's, well, I mean, I guess we do kind of know how we got here, but it's almost... It's almost like, yeah, there was a legitimate concern to begin with, but then after they got there, they forgot about the work that they were supposed to be doing, and it's more about protecting their authority. Ego, there you go. Thumos, and all that nonsense. And I'll yeah. tell you, you know, the interesting thing here, too, is the, the column I have written already that should the board majority hold, one of the points I'm making in that column is don't make the mistake that was made in Virginia in the 1950s and 60s and go off and throw a hissy fit and then create a bunch of parallel liberal structures. Mm -hmm. That is the wrong move to make. Don't do that. I, I don't like it when the right does it. I don't like it anymore when the left does it. 
but I'm hearing that kind of talk. And like, look, folks, this is not going to work. You talk about what's hurting education. That's what's hurting public education right now. I am tired of hearing from parents who say, I believe in public education. By the way, my kid goes to Fredericksburg Academy or whatever hoity-toity school that's in our, our local neighborhood. But I believe in public education. Not enough to send your child, right? No, never. Why would I send anything I love to public schools? Well, where they can I send all three of them. They can be bullied. They can be beat down. They have to use the correct gender pronouns. And if they don't do any of these things, it's my fault, not but their my, fault. But my point is that if we engage public schools, all of us, right, right that changes. Right. Well, and, and there's and there's the thing, right? So if you get, well, if I don't get my way, then I take my marbles and go home in public education. It's like, well, okay, that's that's one answer, right? Or pick your institution, Sean. I mean, you can take any institution. I mean, this is this is across well, sure. the board right now in this country. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, um, uh, I mean, media, for instance, or yep. academia. I mean, if yep. I don't don't want my kid to go to UVA, send him to Hillsdale, right? Right. Um, if I really don't love my kid, I send him to UNC. Um, but uh, uh, so that's a low yeah, blow, right? That was there. that was so low blow. It was right there. It was a softball across the plate um but yeah but, but we do this all the time right and so then the question kind of becomes well you know we kind of treat choice as the enemy in that regard maybe choice isn't such a bad thing maybe it's not maybe school choice uh in the event of like so here's it with the shoe goes on the other foot and the conservatives in charge of the institution all of a sudden school choice doesn't seem like such a bad deal at all does it so long as you're not draining public school funds to pay for it but why is it's not is it necessarily a drain i mean yes, think about it this it way absolutely so, a well, drain. well hold on that was reflexive so fifteen thousand dollars to send somebody to, to public schools let's say it's not that much actually i think it's like 11 five or something actually like it's that. more than that but go ahead. okay so fifteen thousand. so let's say it's uh i go ahead and i take a five thousand dollar local voucher and say okay if you as a parent get to go ahead and send your kid anywhere you want <clears throat> Take the 5K voucher and go. And they go ahead and do that. The remaining 10 stays in the public school system. Doesn't that sound like a win-win for all parties? Because now the, the rising tide lifts all boats. The parent gets to send their kid to a parochial or private school of their choice, or they homeschool, right? So everyone wins. Two questions right? for you, right? Who benefits from that voucher, Sean? Everyone. No. Uh, okay. Well, why not everyone? Because so, the parent benefits. First off. The school, the school no, they no, send them on. to benefits. The what private, school, the what school, school are you going to send them to, Sean? Um, let's say they send them to St. Michael's High School, the Catholic high school. How many kids can you absorb? Um, as many as we can take. There are 50,000 kids in Stafford and Spotsylvania. How many of those are you cool. going to absorb? As many as, we, as many as they want to come, because that's the nature of Catholic education. For $5,000? We will teach them in ditches and, 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 uh, and, and trailers if we have to. For $5,000? Of course. Of course. Of course. We do that now. How are you going to do it? Um, we put them in our gymnasium when we do it, right? And if needs be, we go ahead and we get trailers and we go back to the community and say, we need more. And we do it the old-fashioned way. And you know what? That's how Montford Academy got built. Catholics are really good about this stuff, man. Um, and I can't believe it's only Catholics who are like that. I mean, if you go back to Fredericksburg Academy and all of that, that's great. But you know what happens in public schools? Class sizes become smaller and they get to keep the remainder of the cash. And so now there's more money per capita per student to go ahead and put into that classroom and teach those kids. It's a, it's a rising tide that lifts all boats yeah except the math doesn't quite work that way why doesn't the math work that way because again because the commonwealth of virginia still has to put money into the public school system regardless as to whether that student is homeschooled or private school depends right? on how they write the charter school laws mm, the, the charts as written that doesn't work that way right uh well as written you, you go anywhere you want and it, it's fine the, the commonwealth of virginia still keeps the remainder well then why is the governor pushing so hard to rewrite the charter school laws it, show me the bill 
Uh, well, there is no bill because it was killed. So, it's the first time well, around. But, but it's, it's, this is where we get back into the conspiracy, right? It's like, no, so, okay, it's not conspiracy. So, he tried it, and well, the bill failed. What's the bill failed number? Miserably. What's the bill number? I'd have to go back and look it up. This was in his first year in office. Yeah, so, again, so we don't have a bill number. We don't know what the bill actually says, but we're rumored as to whether or not it's going to go ahead and pull money. And the federal money it can't touch. So we're only talking about state and local dollars, right? And again, even if you were to do 100% of the state and local gathers, the federal dollars still stay with the public school system. Why is that not a win-win? Because, to begin with, the $10,000 you're talking about, mm-hmm. theoretically, mm-hmm. right, say you leave it there. If I recall correctly. Leave it where? And I might be wrong. In the public schools. Okay. Okay. Let's say you, you do leave it there. Okay. That's what happens today. Does it? So if I do that today, right, so that $15,000 or whatever the price tag is stays with the public school system, and then the homeschool students or the private school students actually go on, and then the parents have to pay not just the taxes for a public school education, they now have to pay tuition to the private school, or if they're homeschooling, they have to pay for their own education themselves. So right now, the way the law is designed, even if I elect to, to send my children to, to, to either homeschool or send them to a private school, the money still stays with the public schools. And the public schools will actually go through the length of 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 asking student aged households in the in their localities how many children do you have and are you homeschooling them because for every one that you actually say yes I am homeschooling them or yes I am sending them to private schools the locality actually gets money based on the LCI right so it's a net win even if you don't send your children to public schools if it's a net win then why are schools incapable of paying teachers what they should be paid because they're paying administrators and that's really the long and short of it um, and the Republicans by the way that, have, have consistently that is, asked that is an issue but that is 65 not the sole reason. 65 they, they've put legislation where 65 percent of education dollars should be focused on the classroom you know who shoots it down first the teachers lobby why don't know well, because talk to them. Well, the reason why is because it's uh, that's not because they're paying administrators, right? It's because it's a school system that's directed at student outcomes. It's actually directed at administrator outcomes. Why? Because it's a jobs factory first. It's become self-reflective, and this is the problem that conservatives and, by the way, progressives also have with this institution, right? Because it focuses on its own survival versus anything else. And when push comes to shove, it's teachers and students who get harmed first, and it's administrator salaries that are harmed last. And we're all wise to the game. We know this, right? Well, this is true in corporate America, too. And, well, there's the disease, right? There's the disease. And and, and, and fortunately, I mean, you've seen this with Lee Enterprises. I've, what happens? I've lived it and through two, you've lived I, I have it many lived institutions. It corporations. <laughs> I lived it through U.S. News, and I lived it through Lee Enterprises. We're fighting human nature, and sometimes the only thing that rattles that loose is a little bit of of creative destruction. I would like to think it's a little bit more on the the creative side than the destructive side, but unless the institutions are responsive to the customer, and the customer in this instance is the students, and the students best get the results through a teacher, not an administrator, and not a bureaucrat, and certainly not unfunded mandates from the Commonwealth of Virginia, which is another thing we're kind of missing in this game too we are um but unless student outcomes are improved by allowing teachers to do what they do best which is teach not test teach right we've talked about all a great deal we're not going to get out of this box and yet glenn youngkin and amy guadera do nothing but berate schools and heap more and more and more testing requirements on top of them are they really berating they absolutely are hold on hold on on. amy guadera openly lied about nape data and its correlation to sol scores and i know full good and well amy guadera knows better are we really focusing on schools or is the real enemy the the institution the bureaucracy we've huddled around teachers and, and students who built it sean 
The Bird Machine? No, don't, no, no. Totally. And you no, need, we all know it's no, true because no, no, that's no, exactly no. how education got started in the 1970s. The Bird, it was the a bird, bird Machine construct. The Bird construct. Machine did not build No Child Left Behind. Uh, well, it was Ted Kennedy working with uh, George Bush, wasn't and it? And it was an overwhelmingly driven by, I mean, it's, it, it was accomplished by Republicans, but it was driven by Democrats, right? No, it was not driven by Democrats. It was Ted Kennedy's marquee Ted, deal. Ted Kennedy's, <laughs> Ted Kennedy carried it through. He was... It was Ted Kennedy's marquee bill. Ted Kennedy also took a lot of crap from Democrats for siding with that. It was one it was of the Democrats shocks who pushed of it through. It couldn't have happened without him. It couldn't have happened without him. People were shocked at Ted Kennedy. That was one of the things that was marked against him. I mean, this is one of those things that's like, like Obama, Republicans take crap for opposing Obamacare, even though it was a Republican idea. This testing regime is a Democratic idea. Uh, no. No, no, it, it runs listen, in completely no, Sean, contrary to the... I was in Washington when these battles were going on, okay? Ted Kennedy helped push it across, absolutely. But this idea about state-level testing, it was born and crafted and shaped and delivered through groups like Heritage and AEI who were harping on this stuff for, for 10, 15 years before it ever became law. And, and, but it was Ted Kennedy's idea. This is his marquee bill. It was not Ted Kennedy's idea. This idea predates that by decades. Oh, I mean, testing predates every... I mean, testing goes all the way back to, to the year teachers were invented, right? But like the whole concept of, of testing results, that you can only measure what you test, right? That's, that's a Ted Kennedy line. Maybe a Ted Kennedy line, but again, the reality is it was the conservatives out of heritage and out of AEI that built this monstrosity that, that we agreed were living with Democrats, with. and now they're being paid in kind. And no, they're not being paid in kind. <laughs> but the same's true with Obamacare, right? I mean, the same's true with Obamacare, right? Here's a Republican idea that Democrats championed, and now all of a sudden, you know, like you know, now Republicans hate it. Why? Because it was the Democrats that pushed it through. It became, you know, so so. Like, but back in the 1990s, it was common sense, right? I mean, just because it went south doesn't mean that we can't take ownership of a human problem. Well, first right? off, let me say I opposed Obamacare. Really, I did. Oh. I did because it did not go far enough. It didn't go oh. nearly far enough. Comrade Davis comes through. It's you better believe I right. come through. It's like Red Marty Davis. If we're going to talk about, <laughs> if we're going to talk about human dignity and human life, and you when can't you, provide adequate medical care for everyone in your country with the wealth we have, there is something wrong. Well, that's why the, I mean, Catholic Church supported Medicaid expansion. Um, you know, so we're on board with that. But when we weren't, what's nobody's really in favor of is like an NHS style like healthcare system in the United States. There's a whole range of options. Such that as that are available. Did it? Did, where, that, can we can we point to a model system? To a model system? Um, well, look. Personally, I'm a fan of England. I oh, like NHS. Oh. I like NHS. Eight hundred years of rape, theft, and murder, and you're going to bring it here. I like <laughs> NHS. <laughs> I like NHS. Look, I went to school with enough friends in grad school from England who were more than happy to fly home and have their surgeries done there. Yeah, but well, when scheduled, right? So, but the thing is, is that you got to wait, you know, twenty-one days for, you know, like after having a heart attack and things of that nature. No, you got to no. you got to wait. These, no, these are mythos. And what? And what well, it's not mythos. By the it's way, true. have you been have you been in the waiting room in Mary Washington Hospital lately? Uh yes, as a matter of fact. Okay, then you know it doesn't work any better here. 
well, differently. So what happens, though, in, the, in England, though, and the problem with NHS... I ain't going to let you off the hook on what's going on in private medical care here, Sean. I'm sorry. It's a disaster. Well, you mean, so you, you end up getting as two tiers, right? And so what's happened in the United States is you've got a microcosm of what's happening in Great Britain, where everybody else gets piled in the NHS, the best and brightest go into private medical care. And so what happens is that the wealthy get a better sense of medical treatment because they can afford it because they have the best and brightest go to one system, whereas everybody else who can't afford it, the working class, has to eat the NHS. I don't think that's a particularly moral system. So that's why I oppose the NHS entirely. Where is, um, where is the NHS in this country? Um, well, believe it or not, Mary Washington is a great example of that. Because you mean the, the hospital, hospital corporation that leads the country in suing patients for not paying their bills? It, well, yeah. Thank you, Ed Houck. But the, the problem with that one is that, so with Mary Washington Hospital, they were actually given a patch of territory. The HCA, the, the Spotsylvania one, that that's that's a little bit different. They'll do whatever you pay for, Marty. I know so what will. ends up happening is, you, so once again, in microcosm, you get a version of the NHS, where the well-to-do get a certain type of health treatment, and the ones who cannot afford that get a mediocre sense of treatment and that's the problem with healthcare in the united states we have universal health coverage believe it or not you're sick you get hurt they will take you to any hospital you must be treated thank you ronald reagan 1986 and they will the also problem bank- is, they will also take you to court and bankrupt you we lead the problem world is you don't in, have in universal health you have universal health care but you do not have universal health coverage then fix it well well and how do you fix that right how do you fix that there's got to be a way sean Oh, there's got to be a way isn't exactly an answer, right? How do we fix that? We start with providing basic medical care for every living Law already provides that. What's next? It does not provide that. Sure it does. Not if it's going to bankrupt my family. So the law already provides for all this, right? It does not. You cannot say that when 50,000 families. You cannot say that when 50,000 families You want to see me do it again? I'd love to see you do it again. <laughs> now, the law provides You it. answer my question. Sure. Why do 50,000 families every year go bankrupt because corporations like Mary Washington Hospital bankrupt them? F- F- Tell Mary me Washington's Hospital is responsible for the bankrupting of 50,000 individuals? They're the ones taking them to court. It sounds own like it. hyperbole. I, own I, it. So I, well, you, well, Mary Washington probably should own that, but I, you want better numbers than that, right? So you want to go and determine, like, okay, what's the bank? Like, who are they actually targeting, and who's actually getting bankrupted? Is it people at your level of income? Is it is it lower class individuals? Is bankruptcy sometimes the best alternative? Cuts for across a the board, and let me give you. But well, we don't know, right? We just we kind of do see know. it. No, we do know. Okay, well then, what are the numbers? We do know. Go back. There's a wonderful <laughs> article in Pie and Chai that Steve Watkins's wife, Janet Watkins, wrote mm-hmm. that goes through an awful lot of this, and I would point people to that. Okay, but right, we, if we you need want to more know than... more about that, mm-hmm. okay, go talk to the people at the AMA. Okay. All right? They've got all the data you could possibly choke on. All right? Look, we know what the data is. People over policy, Sean. Well, well, but, Take well, are you care so, of people. But we say that we know the, what the data is, but we can't repeat it here. Because I'm not an expert in this area. I don't track okay. it that closely. So, so if it's not enough to actually but know I've the numbers. But I've written enough stories about families going broke because they're being sued, because they can't pay their their health care beer at Mary Washington Hospital. Yeah, I've written too many of so those So it's another institution of the left that's failing America? Is that what I'm hearing? Why do you insist <laughs> on... No, no. I, I'm trying to understand I, so, how corporate America all of a sudden is the left. I mean, yeah. I mean, corp, well, I mean, it's been the left for some time. Corporations need government to set the rules. Socialists need corporations to pay for the, for the health care, right? I mean, okay. that, that's... That, Fine. <laughs> Fine. 
I love you, Marty. Um, even if you're wrong, uh, I'm um, not wrong on this one. <laughs> well, so so we should come back to it then. Maybe we should find somebody from Medicore to come in here. Let's get somebody from and, Medicore and let's talk to and them about get, what that problem is. And let's get some is. of the people who are trying to reform this very broken system and get them in here too. Sure. It's, it's, it's I mean, again, it's it's you know we all have to live by Obamacare, right? And these are the new rules. I mean, one sixth of the industry is somewhat nationalized, right? Um, one sixth of the industry sort of. being healthcare, right? So we're in this quasi NIH position. I mean, the, the Jeremy Corbyn kind of like pushing us all the way in the NIH. It doesn't seem like much of a solution at the end of the day if it means that the wealthy get a different standard of care than the rest of us because they can afford um, the the How best. How are of you the ever best. going to stop that, Sean? Um, you allow the free market to actually The free work. market does so not work. Here, oh, of course it does. It it's, does not it, work. Of course it does. Of course it does. No, so here, that's, here's the, one, that's so, the Republican answer. So oh, here's the, the solution. free market. Here's the Come solution. On, give me a break. Well, I'll give you a break. I'll give you a tax break. So the, yeah, the one solution, oh, of course it does. And you no, know how doesn't. it works? Is health savings accounts. You end up going ahead and you take everybody who's who can't afford decent health care and you give them a health savings account and you let the, whatever the percentage is that they're supposed to be, put, uh, Medicaid puts in, as a matter of fact, they entertain this idea in Indiana as a matter of fact. And you allow the the three hundred thousand Virginians who can't afford basic medical care, and you actually build them up a health savings account that gets them up to about ten twelve thousand dollars. Okay. And then what you do on top of it is you give them what's called an H dip. That's a high deductible insurance plan that says any kind of bill. So if it's routine care, eyeglasses, um, uh, 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 you know, was it. Um, uh, you know, pills, whatever the case may be, um, you know, antibiotics. Those things come out of your uh, of your of your HSA tax free, right? The I mean, government doesn't even touch any of it, and you go ahead and rebuild that at the end of the month. And then what happens is, if you actually get into a serious instance, let's say it's a heart attack, a car accident, whatever the case may be, and it's ten thousand dollars or more, the H dip kicks in. That would instantly not only lift 300,000 people out of poverty, because now they've actually got a nut. There's $10,000 in savings waiting for them. But if catastrophic care occurs, the Commonwealth of Virginia, because it pays for its own age dip out of Medicaid funds, kicks in and and covers you fully so that you don't have to go into bankruptcy in order to afford your care. Guess who opposes that? The Democrats. You know why I know that? Make it work. You know why I know that? Because we actually put forward that bill with VHHA, and we floated it with the Democratic caucus, and they shot it down, Mark. Well, let me take a look at the bill. So, I've not read it. I'd have to see it. And, no, I, and I want to know why they shot it down. Well, because it uh, doesn't support their corporate sponsors. Well, then let's let's just take you know, them to task. So, so, but let's here, take but here them it is. Task. Like this is like a like I mean, Rand Paul supported this. Mike Pence has supported this when he was in Indiana. Um, it's a pretty Republican. I mean, Ed Gillespie ran on it in 2014 for crying out loud, and it just never picked up any traction. Why? Because it takes money out of government and it puts it in the hands of individuals. It's well, then, school choice for med- health care. Well, then let's get the story out there and tell it. Okay. Look, I am my first concerned. <laughs> you would support such a bill then. I would want to see the details, but as you describe it, look, I'm all about it. What I am sick and tired of is corporate America bankrupting American families. Oh, I agree. I think everyone's sick and tired sick of that. I am sick and tired of it. Yeah, and I'm sick and tired of their enablers in Washington and Richmond. Well, I, I wouldn't argue with you on that one either. Yeah. So they but I, but I am very quickly. Gentlemen, <laughs> by the way, we're you. talking about uh, <laughs> talking of corporate enablers. I mean, let's talk about one just up the street who just fired 10% of their of their employees oh, Geico. and gave their CEO a raise. How, how sweet is that? Yeah, how sweet is that, Megan? Was it cool? Was it not cool? What do you know? What are you hearing? Yeah, so I uh, a lot of uh, folks that I knew at you know my time at Geico are... I mean, things are in upheaval now because I, I, I don't know the details of how they selected people, but I mean, it seems, you know, top performers, tenured agents, 
new hires, right? Just kind of across the board. I mean, over, I think it was like 2,000 people were, were let go. It was a pretty extreme pretty amount brutal. of people. That's, that were studying in a region like and this. And we're not talking yes. about, like, I mean, Geico's a major employer in the Fredericksburg area, right? And these aren't exactly individuals going to be find, be able to find jobs tomorrow, nope. right? Nope. No, yeah. and, and certainly not. Um, I think, you know, Geico has always been fairly competitive when it comes to pay, and certainly with benefits. Um, and in post-COVID, I think also flexibility of working from home. So I think it's going to it's going to be a really serious challenge for a lot of folks that have been let go. Yeah, that's that's kind of one of those unfortunate. I mean, I know of one particular story myself who was a young lady who's six months pregnant who was let go. Was one of their top performers, as a matter of fact, um, and pretty certain was at random that that she was just let go. But now she's put in the position where she's six months pregnant. Um, good luck finding a job. Good luck finding an employer who's willing to bring you on for your skill set um, that then's willing to let you go for another you know two months, three months as you spend time with the little one. Um, that's a tough, tough, tough scenario to face. And I'm, I, I, my knowledge, my, my information at least is that Geico is pretty much like, well, you know, tough. See you later. It was fair. It was, it was, it was equal. It wasn't equitable, obviously, but it was equal. And you just, you just, yeah, sorry. Can't and we're help back you. to, uh, and we're back to administrators. Yep. And we're back to administrators uh, on top of managers and people who actually do the work and not taking care of the people who do the work, um, which I find to be rather low. Um, if I were a Geico uh, uh, client, I would move my, 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 my insurance over immediately. Thank you, comrade Kenny. Indeed. indeed. It sounds a lot better than the original Russian, I promise. But uh, um, Karl Marx wrote in German and English. Or, or Latin, if it was, uh, you know, since it's rerum novarum and Catholic social teaching. <laughs> <laughs> I love Catholic social teaching. It's uh, Catholic social teaching is actually pretty deep. And it's pretty uh, actually, rich. It is it's, rich, it is deep, and I am a big fan of Catholic social teaching. Indeed. Very, con- very consistent. Um, but you just got to buy into certain things. Right. Which I don't, but I still, That's right. but I still respect <laughs> Catholic social teaching. Absolutely. Yeah, you know what we don't respect is Durkheim. Oh, don't go there. Let's go there. Let's, let's do it. No, let's not do Durkheim. <laughs> We've moved on from Durkheim. Well, actually, we didn't. We were talking about Durkheim on Tuesday. i got to talk about uh, somebody else this week, but okay. Yeah, but actually, most of most of so, I'm, my impression, at least, is most of sociology has moved on from Durkheim because it's, like, it's, it's Marx, Weber, and Durkheim. Those are like the three, like the trinity. And Compt. Yeah, yeah, positivism, right? It was so, nuts. Yes, arguably. Um, no, not arguably. He was nuts. He was nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fine. Unarguably nuts. Unarguably nuts. <laughs> but like, it's it's kind of moved on from like that to like critical theory, which everybody hears critical race theory and their their eyes roll in the back of their head and their head starts spinning. It's like, okay, fine, get over yourselves. But like, I mean, there, there's a lot to be said for the move from uh, the Durkheim, who was a relativist, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just pure and simple, like yes. nothing mattered other than power, right? Um, to like Foucault, who we should probably get Dr. Vasey here to talk about. There that. you go. Let's get um, Dr. Vasey to. Come. But like, talk about Foucault. But the, the shift from Durkheim to Foucault, where it's like, well, no, it's not only relativism, but like much of the, the structure and the things that you operate in the world and the way you think is really structuralism. So like the institutions shape you, and that's the whole panopticon thing. That's Max Weber, too, by the way. <laughs> who's another guy who's unarguably crazy. I mean, the guy tried to kill himself how many times? And failed? I mean, like, come on, dude. Like, like, that's not... I mean, first off, that's not cool to try. Second, like... No. By the way, keep in mind, I'm not teaching college-level philosophy here. I am teaching high school students introductory sociology, which is 
Faber, Durkheim. Okay. <laughs> so again, give them the, the essay prompt. Is the religion create Marx. society or society create religion? Society creates religion. That's not a philosophical point. That's a historical one. But okay. Wrong. On. The answer no, is, is religion no, creates society. No. Next question. No, 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 no. <laughs> Some McLaughlin group. They're like, next no, question. No, what is the no. answer of life? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> We create religion. Sorry. Now, if that was true, then then the institutions would inherit the sacred. And oh my God! This. Here we go. That's right. This Here is the sacred go. and the profane. This is where like all like Durkheim starts the conversation. Everybody who comes afterwards is like, from Rene Girard to Walter Benjamin to, to you're reading to the Foucault, wrong sacred and profane. To Gombin. You're reading the wrong sacred and profane. I'm just go reading go, what what superior thinkers go, thought. No, about no. It. Go back and read Mircea Iliadi. If you're going to talk about sacred and profane, go back and read Iliadi. Iliadi. You don't know him? I do not know Iliadi. I found two books you don't know? That's right. Uh, only two. Only two. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it's it. good stuff. All right. It so, is good stuff. All right. So I have to find this Iliadi book then. It's not Illuminati. Is that what you're... No. <laughs> <laughs> is the Bavarian banking gnomes really funding the advance? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> Before we get off this point, by the way. Before we get off this point, by the way. It's Mircea Iliadi. He's from Romania. Okay. Nevertheless, uh, he was the guy I read a lot of in graduate school and college. And I went to the University of Chicago where Mircea Iliadi taught. Really? About his career. Yes, I did. Anyway, nonetheless, why we are having a good time out here today, I want to bring one point uh, forward, right? We had quite the ruckus at the advance a couple weeks ago when you wrote a couple columns that just made people go crazy. And... It was really interesting to me as the editor fielding these phone calls from people who are upset by what you are writing. And uh, and what I loved was Ben Litchfield comes back and says, I'd like to write a rebuttal. And I'm like, marvelous. And so Ben Litchfield wrote a marvelous rebuttal, and then you kind of wrote a rebuttal to a rebuttal, and we're going to kind of cut it off right there because I can't fill all the pages for this stuff. But the thing I want to point out and the thing that, Sean, you and I talk about a lot, and certainly tonight, you and I have kind of gone on head-to-head, and um, and it's been a lot of fun. And I think this is sort of the whole point of what the advance is about, what the New Dominion podcast is about. Maybe let's take off the gloves. Let's mix it up. But you know what? We ain't got to kill each other in the process. No, 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 because I don't. I can't afford the health care for that. I can't afford They'll the health care for it either. If. It would bankrupt me. <laughs> None of us can. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. So, no, it was actually a really healthy exchange with Ben because I, mean, I respect the guy a lot. Um, um, we kind of, I mean, different, different, different ways of approaching the problem, but we kind of perceive the same problems in the world, and that to me is kind of a refreshing way of kind of tackling some of these questions. Is that you know I think we're all in agreement about what the problems are. There's just different ways of solving the problem, and um, kind of sharp steel sharpens steel at the end of the day, and it's a lot better than using magic words to kind of diffuse debate. And, and it begins with a lot of respect. So, spot your school board. If, yeah, the majority, if the majority holds, do us a favor. Show a little more respect and a little more decorum. Yeah. And if the majority flips... For God's sakes, don't make the same mistake these people made. Right, and and don't don't give them an excuse to treat other you know don't give, don't give the opposition an excuse to treat you the other people in the wor- in your worst head traits, right. right? That's it's kind of the the long and short of it because democracies don't function that way, republics don't work that work work that way, uh, and the only way you restore the public trust is when you bring everybody and not just the winning team to the table. So, Absolutely. In any event, Marty, what are you reading? I have been wanting to say this since the first time we had this podcast. It's not Karl Marx again, is it? The honest-to-God truth, Sean, is I am reading nothing this week. I have been so busy. 
uh, with our, you know, with the recent addition of Adele, uh, with with all the sort of post quarterly testing mess at school, um, with getting the newspaper out every day. Um, for the first time in a long time, I haven't read, but I will tell you what is sitting on my nightstand next to me. It was a book you recommended to me called Sacred Causes. Excellent. Uh, Michael ha- Burley. Yes. Michael Burley. I have read the introduction. I'm getting ready to dive into the book. So next week, I'll be able to talk a little bit more about that one. Cool, cool, cool. Megan, what are you reading? So Marty stole my answer. I'm, I also have not <laughs> not been reading anything <laughs> this week. So we've been a little inundated with 100,000 different things, and so I'm a little behind. But I did pick up a new book from River Bees. A couple weeks ago, about our favorite bookstore. Our favorite bookstore, um, America's favorite bookstore. Indeed. Maybe you can find the book of Young in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's in economics. <laughs> Pseudo. Um, <laughs> Voodoo economics. Yeah. Let's trickle down. Enjoy it. <laughs> no. Uh, but the book I picked up, it's a, it's a um, about Churchill. Um, so I, I haven't cracked it open yet, but. I will bring it to the table next week and hopefully... Ooh, which of the 9,843 biographies of Churchill did you pick up? <laughs> I don't remember even like what the title was. I okay, just kind of grabbed one, but I'll bring it next fair week. Enough. Cool. Yeah. All right, Corey, what are you reading, man? Well, um, obviously with everything that's going on in the world, there's been, uh, you know, there's a lot of news around Israel and Palestine, and there was an author by the name of Nathan Thrall. He's a, um, he's a uh, Jewish American that's currently living in, uh, in Israel, and he uh, released a book earlier this month on October 3rd, and the Israeli government shut down his book tour. Ooh. The name of the book is A Day in the Life of Bet Salama, The Anatomy of a Jerusalem tragedy and it is about a bus accident that involved palestinian kids and a bed's um a bed's trial of figuring out what happened to his son because of the id system um he the kids the kids that did survive the accident were sent to all these different places based on the type of id that the palestinian uh, public had and it was this, this crazy story about how he had to find his son and because his wild it's totally wild holy it's, crap it's one of those things where it's like the worst possible thing is happening to your child and you have to like you got you got to get to them but because of how the structure like you're navigating politics as well yeah, as you're, you're, it's emotions the, it's, and yeah, yeah, else, it's yeah. the bureaucracy and everything and his and his id status made it very difficult for him to find his son yeah that's one of the things most people don't realize about israel proper is that like israeli jews can travel israel and the west bank um, even yeah. nobody's allowed in the gaza um israel Israeli Arabs are actually limited to a handful of roads. Yeah. And Palestinian Arabs, if you live in the West Bank, you you can't go into Israel proper unless you have a work permit and, and other things. Right. Um, and everything's through a checkpoint, right? So yeah. it's it's actually very difficult to to get by. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's a fascinating book. I'm it about is, to, it to is, steal that one. It, yeah. it, is, it is pretty interesting. And it's not just about him. It's mainly about his story, but it's also about a bunch of other yeah. people that were kind of surrounded yeah. in that. And um, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I'm like halfway through it. And cool. It's, man, it's powerful. What a, what a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So I am reading, believe it or not, it's Edward Lutvok's The Art of Military Innovation, which is actually a, a, a kind of an up to date uh, of, of what the Israeli defense 
Defense Force's capacities were. Um, he published it literally the beginning of October. So it's already out of date, right? <laughs> so like, like literally like, like the, Israel, the IDF is now like either employing or adapting some of what they, they have. But uh, um, Luthex pushing in his 80s right now. He actually um, has written a series of books, um, The Art of Military Strategy. He did one on the IDF in between the uh, 67 and 73 war. He did one on the art of like like the the, the Soviet war like the, the Soviet like uh, war like war doctrine and whatnot. Um, did one on the grand strategy of the Byzantine Empire, which is a fascinating read. Um, but the guy's just one of these like brilliant human beings who's forgotten more than any of us will ever know. And you just kind of sit at the, the foot of the stool and just listen to to a man kind of opine. And it's a brilliant book. I a brilliant thing. It's a, I've already gotten through the first chapter, but it'll still be something I read through the weekend. So. Very good. Well, Sean, it sounds like uh, you got another deep read on your your plate there. Indeed, Corey, you're becoming the master of deep reads uh, these days. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me feel you're making me feel dumb, man. Uh, here I am over here reading nothing with Megan. So uh, I guess Megan, we're, we're going tired. we're going drinking afterwards, right, Megan? Yeah. That's what we should all be doing, right? <laughs> Lord have mercy. These late night recordings are going to kill us all, guys. That's all right. It's it's, uh, it's, it's all God's all right. work. There sir. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Praise be Glenn. Praise be Glenn. Oh my God. Um, I'm going to get that copy of that. Corey, you better keep that in. I'm just going to put it on a repeat. It's going to be my ringtone for you now. <laughs> well, I just have to say that we're excited to have both of you back in studio tonight. Oh, yeah. You know, everyone's schedules have been crazy lately. They and, have. And. We just appreciate you both. Yeah. Well, we're glad to we're glad that we're all around the table again. Uh, we are looking forward to Tuesday night. It's going to be quite the exciting evening. Uh, the advance is going to be all over it as much as a couple of people and a and a guy with a beard uh, can be over it. Uh, Sean, I hope uh, we're trying to trying some new technology. We'll see if it works. Uh, but we're going to try to you and I do a little little back and forth on Substack uh, as as, yeah. little, as returns come in. So watch for that. Um, and you know we'll we'll see how it all plays out. At the end of the day, folks, no one knows who's going to win because it's in your hands yeah if you know who's going to win make a bet um, predict it or something like that and just make a lot of money show us all wrong but prove us we're all wrong uh, so look it's been a great evening we've had a great time uh Corey and megan for those of you who don't know uh kept the store open late for us tonight we couldn't do it early uh so thanks to Corey and megan for keeping the store open and uh we know you guys work long days and it's a it's a toll on you to do this so we appreciate it we appreciate all of our readers and all of our listeners both at trs and at the events uh for humoring us and uh <laughs> allowing us to have a little fun sometime um but most of all again i just can't say it enough folks go out and vote uh, a lot of people um sacrifice an awful lot um for you to to have a right that too many of us just ignore and don't take don't take seriously enough um so if you really care about our troops if you really care about our society the least you can do is vote Get out and do it. Uh, that's all we have tonight from the New Dominion Podcast. Sean, it's great to be here with you as always. This is a highlight of my week. Corey and Megan, thanks for everything that you do. And with that, we bid you adieu, good well, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Go vote. <laughs>